0: Six hundred and thirty, sound the battle cry. Six hundred and thirty. Made sure to pick a song with many flats in there just for pastor. Sound the battle cry, see the foe is nigh, raise the standard high for the Lord. Gird your armor on, stand firm everyone, rest your cause upon his holy word. Roused then soldiers, rally round the banner, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throng. Strong to meet the foe, marching on we go, while our cause we know must prevail shield and a bright gleaming in the light battling for the right we ne'er can fail roused and soldiers rally round the banner ready steady pass the word along come on onward forward shout aloud Hosanna Christ is captain of the mighty throng oh thou God of all hear us when we call help us all in love a- By thy grace When the battle's done And the victory won May we wear the crown Before thy face Rouse then soldiers Rally round the banner Ready, steady Pass the word along Onward, forward Sound aloud, Hosanna Christ is captain of the mighty throng Amen And now let's turn to page 500. And 16 516, we have an anchor, amen. 516. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and Cable's strain. Will your anchor drift Or firm remain We have an anchor That keeps the soul Steadfast and sure While the billows roll Fastened to the rock Which cannot move Grounded, firm and deep In the Savior's love it is safely moored, will the storm withstand? Fort is well secured by the Savior's hand. And the cables pass from his heart to mine, can defy that blast whose strength divine. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded fermenting in the Savior's love, it will firmly hold in the straits of fear when the breakers have told the harpies leave. Though the tempest rave and the wild wind blow Not an angry wave shall our bark o'erflow Get ready, we have an anchor that keeps the soul Set fast and sure while the billows roll Fast to the rock, we cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. When our eyes behold through the gathering night, the city of gold, our harbor bright, we shall anchor fast by the heavenly shore with the storms all past forevermore. We have an anchor that keeps and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and in the Savior's love Amen. And let's sing one more song, 666 My Jesus, I love Thee. Amen. 666 my Jesus, I love Thee, I
1: Welcome to the service tonight, and if you need a prayer list, uh, Brother Ted has them there. He'll pass them out. I don't think they got passed out before the service, but we want to get you one. How many have been down the steps to see the job that uh, was done over the week, and uh Praise the Lord, The walls are taped, the lights are up. the doors are pretty much in and uh closing and latching, and all of those things and so uh got quite a bit uh accomplished this week, and uh I think we're in a good situation where we can just leave the project sit and percolate a little while uh so Praise the Lord for that. Any other praises, Charlene? Okay, you got a job. At Kentucky Fried Chicken. Okay, that's a great place to work. Almost as good as Starbucks. And uh, the only thing is, you could work at Starbucks and starve to death, but you know you can't do that at KFC. So. Julia? What? Fries. Fries. Okay. I, I knew I wasn't hearing flies, but that, that's what it sounded like up here. And um, yeah, it was um, Joseph. Most of you remember him. He's a young man. He and his wife, Magna, are working in the Spanish language church with Brother Saravia. And he had a friend uh, it was actually a man he used to work for, and they came up and were spending the week, and uh, he just he said, "This is a missions trip. We want to work." And so we put him to work and got it quite a bit done, so praise the Lord for the fries being here. Anita. Amen. Uh, last week, uh, Anita was able to lead Latoya uh, to the Lord, and she was here in church in spite of the subways not working properly. Of course, when are they? And uh, it took her an hour and a half to get to church this morning. And But she said she wants to come back. So that's praise the Lord. Okay, I think I saw a hand there, Dave. Okay, praise the Lord for sincerity among Christians. Rhoda. Amen. Praise the Lord for answered prayers. Brother Franz. Okay, Miss Pam. Okay. I don't know if everybody, everybody hear that? It said, Praise the Lord for my church family that misses me when I'm gone. Amen. Peter? Um, praise the Lord, I was able to get off to go on this trip without losing job. Amen. Peter was able to get off to go with us without losing his job. And praise the Lord for that. In fact, they told him he'd only have part-time when he came back, and then they upgraded that and said he'll oh, have full-time. And so, maybe they like him there. I'm not sure. But that would be a miracle. Amen? All right. I have to pick on him just a little. Right, Peter? Anita? Amen. Brother McGeorge did a great job Thursday night. Amen. And uh, all right, anyone else? Brother Ted. Amen. Everybody hear that? Okay, good. Praise the Lord. Rita? Pardon? Okay. I praise the Lord that there's enough people here working and everything coming together to hold down the fort that we can go. This is the first time... Let's see, I think this is the first time in almost fourteen years of pastoring the church. It will be gone two Sundays in a row with the whole family and uh, so kind of feel like leaving your kids at home for the first time, but uh, 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 we've got some faithful leadership working in the church we've got people growing we've got people willing to sign up and do the jobs and Just praise the Lord for all of that. All right, any others? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings upon us. We thank you for all the answers to prayer. We thank you for working uh, in so many different situations. We thank you for each testimony. And Lord, we just want to praise and worship you. We thank you that you are working in our midst. Giving us strength to be your servants, we thank you for the privilege of being able to be called the children of God. In your name we pray. Amen. For the front,
0: stand and turn to page four hundred and eighteen. Four eighteen. my favorite songs, "Faith Is the Victory." Amen. Four hundred eighteen. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers, rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. His banner over us, is love, our sword, the word of God. We tread the road, the saints above, with shouts of triumph trod. By faith they like a world wind's breath swept on o'er every fear. The faith by which they conquer death is still our shining shield. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. On every hand, the foe we find drawn up in dread array that tents of ease be left behind and onward to the fray. Salvation's helmet on each head with truth all girt about. The earth shall tremble neath our tread and echo with our shout. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory. Here comes the full white raiment shall be given before the angels. He shall know his name confessed in heaven. Then onward from the hills of light, our hearts with love aflame, will vanquish all the holes of night in Jesus conquering name. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. Amen, and you may be seated.
1: Take your Bibles once again. Turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Revelation, chapter 3. And uh, my saxophone strap does not like this cordless mic. But uh, I think we got the victory here. This is the last of the seven letters to the seven churches. And. um, We've just, in a way, a summary. We called the first church the forgetful church, the church at Ephesus, the church that left its first love. Now you just have to be. For, it happens in marriages. It happens in any long-term relationship. People can just forget. You have to constantly remind yourself. That's why we we are called. Uh, gospel preachers because almost every sermon we do we remind you somewhere the price that Jesus paid for our sins we want to remember that is the motivation that is the reason why we do what we do Jesus loved us so much and gave us so much that it is a very small thing for us to give our lives in return amen the church at Smyrna was the persecuted church. Now, the church at Smyrna did not go looking for persecution. It came looking for them. And Jesus just told them, You keep at it. They think they killed you, but they didn't. You're still alive in my book. Amen. And you pick up almost any church history book, even some some of our baptist histories and they will get to this point to where they'll say well you know during this certain time period it is almost impossible to know that there was a church in existence well let me tell you something there's a church in existence today and jesus said he started it before the time period they said it died out it was just being persecuted it was underground no one has any idea how many people are truly saved and living for the Lord in communist China today but let me tell you there's a lot more than anybody thinks because there were some good solid churches started in the thirties when John and Betty Stamm gave their lives for the gospel and those churches are still going, amen? Now, it's not been easy. They've been persecuted. You know, Jesus didn't give a lot of a big list of things to the persecuted church. I want you to do this, and I want you to do that, and I want you to do that, like he did to some of the other churches. Because they were too busy trying to stay alive. Amen? And that doesn't mean that they were willing to compromise their message or the gospel or anything to do that. That wasn't the issue at all. But when your life is in danger everywhere you go and every day, just for being a Christian, it's going to take some time just to live. Jesus understood that, amen? He cared about the persecuted church. Still does, by the way. The church at Pergamos was the careless church. They were just—they letting the Nicolaitans in. They were letting the people who teach the doctrine of Balaam into the church. Uh, I think of several occasions where those uh, people have showed up here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. But you know what? We have people in our church doing their work. I remember one time we had some people come and they wanted to uh, us to teach Sung Sun Young Moon's material in our Sunday school class and uh, finally we were able to w- extract from them the truth of the nature of their stuff and there was uh, several gentlemen around and I said uh, would you guys like to leave right now and he said Oh, you don't like the family? I said, no, no. We said, leave now. And they tried to do something. And they never came back. Amen? Because they understood that when they came here, nobody was just going to bow down and let them spew their trash any which way. We're very careful what goes on in this church. You become careless. And let me tell you, these people will slither in and begin drawing people to themselves. Balaam. He did not do anything that wrong all by himself. But he informed Balak, son of Zippor, that if you would just send some very pretty young ladies, handsome young men over there, and invite them to come visit your church, and invite them to partake of your gospel, that was the doctrine of Balaam. To put a stumbling block to cause others not to serve God. There's been some doctrine of Balaam around. Praise God. They get real uncomfortable real quick when the church itself and people in the church are making them uncomfortable. We don't put up with that around here. And um, I'll tell you, you get careless, they come in. Then we had the worldly church, the Church of Thyatira, where Jezebel herself was a Sunday school teacher. And of course, it wasn't Jezebel resurrected from the dead or any such thing, but it was that spirit of purposeful destruction of the separation between the church and the world. That's what Jezebel does. And you look at what's going on in churches today. Somebody said, what what is a worship team? Because you'll hear that phrase a lot today. A lot of churches have worship teams. And and it's very simple. You you just um, take Franz and you fire him. No more song director. And you get a group of people up here. Uh... One preacher put it this way. He said the skirts are a little too short and the necklines are a little too low and, and the clothing is sensual and you get up and sway back and forth on the platform with the music and that's what a worship team is. Now that's what goes on in churches. Now I don't know what they're worshiping but I don't think God's very pleased with that kind of stuff. And that description of the worship team that I just gave you was from a pastor friend of mine who attended a Baptist Bible fellowship meeting a couple years ago and said that's what was going on at the fellowship meeting. That's why I don't go anymore. I I don't want to go to a pastor's meeting and see what I might see at a bar or a nightclub or whatever in New York City. Why? We want to be holy unto the Lord. We are here to be separated from the world. And if we be few in number because of that separation, so be it, because we're not here to please ourselves. We're not here to keep a set of traditions. We're here to worship Jesus Christ, and when Jezebel comes in, the Holy Spirit leaves. Then we get to Sardis. They were the dead church. Now, it's interesting, Jesus still claimed that church is one of his. But it was dead. They had all the right activities. They had all the right things going on. But there was no heart. There was no reality. Everything was just form and motion. Last week, the open door church. That's what I want our church to be like. Amen? Then we come to the Thyatira, the Laodicean church, the one we're going to try to cover tonight. This is probably the most insidious and most dangerous of all the churches, of all the problems that afflict the churches. This is the self-sufficient church. They had everything they needed. They were getting everything done except worshiping Jesus Christ. Now let's look through here. We're going to start reading the letter in verse 14 of chapter 3. And unto the church, angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten be zealous therefore and repent behold I stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You ever had a nice cold bottle of water, set it on your desk for an hour or two? and just reach over and forget and take a big old swig of nice, lukewarm, tepid water. Anybody ever done that? And I mean, you're just gagging, aren't you? The only thing worse than that is getting a nice hot cup of coffee and leaving it sit there and get cold. But it's not really cold but it's not really hot. It's like what the verse said, I will spew thee out of my mouth, amen? This is what God says to this church. He says, you make me sick. He said, I wish you were at least cold or hot. Now you say, why in the world is he wishing the church was cold? I mean, don't, Jesus would rather have the church hot, wouldn't he? He said, but I'd rather have you cold than lukewarm. Now, there's a reason for that. You see, lukewarm Christianity is warm enough to feel good and cold enough to discourage anything real from happening. It's warm enough that everybody thinks, hey, something is going on here. But it's cold enough when anybody really gets involved, they get discouraged, and they quit. So nothing really happens. That's why Jesus hates it so much. I mean, you walk into a cold church. I've been in a few over the years. And I'll tell you, you know it right away. You walk into a hot church where things are happening and the Holy Spirit is moving, you know it right away. But it could take you months to figure out whether a church is lukewarm or not. And what do you do, what do you accomplish during those months? Nothing. Jesus' church was not meant to do nothing. It was meant to do something, amen? It was meant to reach out. It was meant to bring souls. And the problem with something lukewarm is you really can't get up and say, this has got to change and this is what's wrong because most everything is basically right. There's been a growing controversy for years in the Baptist Bible Fellowship and and um, I've seen people grab their little 20 articles of faith, this is what we believe, and wave it and say, I believe those 20 articles of faith. Mm-hmm. And if I were to go down here to Long Island City to Evangel Church, and sit through one of their services and come to your church and sit through one of your services, I'll tell you what, I couldn't tell the difference. If I were to go over to Times Square Church and sit through one of their services and go to your church and sit through one of yours, I wouldn't be able to know which church. You take Baptist off your name, You bring the world's music right into the church so that everybody's comfortable. We want a church where everybody will be comfortable. That's a Laodicean church. Jesus introduces himself as the Amen. When we pray, we like to say, in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, the word Amen means of a surety. It means... It is guaranteed. When you end a prayer and you say, in Jesus' name, amen, what you're saying to God is that I am giving to you through prayer what exactly Jesus would want me to pray if he were standing here instructing me on the things to bring before your throne in prayer. Now, that ought to be a sobering thought, amen? Some of our prayers don't deserve, in Jesus' name, amen. We need to work. And Jesus addresses this church. He says, I am the amen. He says, I am the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, if you have any Jehovah's sickness friends, they love to go to this verse, and they say, see there, Jesus was the first thing God created. Ding, dong. No, that's not what it's talking about. Jesus is the creator. Creation began with Jesus Christ, not he was the first thing created. Read John chapter 1. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You've got to keep Scripture in its biblical context. Amen? And so, as Jesus is introducing Himself here, He says, I am the faithful and true witness. I am the beginning of the creation. I am the amen. And I am not going to put up with what is going on in this Laodicean church. Now, I'll tell you what, lukewarmness is, is something that every one of us as Christians will battle at some time in our life. And, and the thing that makes lukewarmness so dangerous is it doesn't feel too bad to be lukewarm. I mean, then during the heat wave, how many people were hot during the heat wave? How many of you were too hot? I mean, you knew what was going on. You were aware of your surroundings. Now, just think, in a couple of months, it's going to be cold. It's going to be too cold. Your toes are going to get numb. Your fingers are going to hurt. Your ears are going to freeze, and your nose is going to turn bright red because it's gotten so cold. But you know, when you're lukewarm, you're just kind of coasting. It's okay. That's why I like the air conditioning just a little on the cold side. It wakes everybody up as they walk in. <gasps> oh! Don't want you falling asleep in church, amen? That's what lukewarm does. Lukewarm. They had their buildings, they had their offerings. They had their bills paid. They had everything they need. Except the Bible says that they were blind, that they were poor, that they were wretched, that they were miserable, and that they were naked. Now, I don't know what to make of this whole thing here, but Jesus said, listen, you had better repent of your words It says here, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Do you have any idea how you get gold that's been tried in the fire? James chapter 1. Rejoice when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing the trial of your faith worketh what? Patience. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7. Tells us that the affliction is much more precious than of gold that perish. It's called suffering. You get gold tried in the fire by going through the fires of struggle in this life. Now, most of us don't like to struggle, we do not like to exert ourselves. We live in a society where you're not supposed to sweat. Well, I'll tell you what, last week everybody was sweating, weren't they? The Bible says unless you're willing to go through those things, you're never going to get the gold that you need. Now here's what you're supposed to do with it. That thou mayest be rich, and white raiment. That thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. It says, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Now we look here and we think about these things. And I've heard preachers preach, and I don't, I don't know if this is true, but it, it seems to imply that there will be some people in heaven that are not going to be properly clothed because they did not buy the white raiment that they were supposed to buy. You go to Revelation chapter 19, it says they were clothed in white raiment, which is what? The righteousness of the saints. Now, that's a scary thought, isn't it? I, I wonder if there's going to be a difference in the clothing that is in heaven. Now God does not believe in immodesty of any kind so that's not going to be the issue. Uh, But there is certainly a grand difference between uh, shall we say Bloomingdale's and the Kmart blue light special. I mean you can tell just by looking at it, can't you? It says that we need to be conscious of these things to be getting the, what is truly rich to get white raiment and it says to anoint our eyes with eye salve that we may see. Now I wear my contacts and because I am not going to buy bifocals because they'll make me ill looking down looking up ooh, uh, I would be seasick constantly so I've got reading glasses you know why? Because I like to be able to see. How many times have you been working on something and you say, I didn't see it, now I see. I remember doing the church books and finding a little mistake and going over them and over them. and Ah, oh, there it is. Six months ago. How in the world that got there, I don't know. But two pennies off. Somebody had typed something just a little wrong. Oh, don't you hate little things like that? Have you ever sat down and tried to put something together and it just doesn't fit and the instructions don't work? And you keep, and all of a sudden one piece falls into place and it's all done. God says we need to anoint our eyes with eye salve that we can see properly. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on around us. Get something and put on your eyes that you can see. Jesus is saying, listen, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous. Now we think of that word zealous as oftentimes talking about people who are fanatical. If you would have gone to Yankees, or I guess it's in Baltimore today. The Yankees game is in Baltimore today. And if you'd have gone down the Camden Yards and watched that ball game, there's a lot of zealous people at the ballpark, aren't there? Now, I've heard football games are worse than baseball games. I don't know. I've never been to one that really don't desire to go. Yet when we talk about being zealous for the Lord Jesus Christ, being serious, Being consumed, just like those fans are at the stadium, it says we ought to be consumed with the idea that God is going to judge us so that we can get the sin out of our life before Jesus has to tap us on the shoulder or worse to get our attention. God is not beyond... Allowing things to happen to individuals physically to help them understand that he is serious about his word. And we need to pray about that. It says we need to be zealous. Now we have the picture here that is often painted, uh, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, we got to remember the context this is not talking about salvation this is talking to the church could you imagine Jesus not being welcome in his own church but that's what this verse is talking about it says listen I'm standing at the door and knocking I want you to let me in I want to take you out of that lukewarm situation and get you doing and serving and doing the things you would. It is fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's what we try to do every time we have a service. We want to partake of the good word of God. Amen? That is our spiritual food. And we are trying to take the warning here as a church. Jesus wants to be the center of every service we have. I pray. We we work that he is. Amen. And it says to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and had sat down with my Father in his throne? You know, I laugh at these people who run around today wanting to take over the world. I mean, there's a lot of them today. You know, the president of France, uh, I don't think, is it still Jacques Chirac? I think it is. He really believes he should be the president of the world. He really believes that they know how to do everything. I like what my brother-in-law said. He said, if there's a way to mess it up, the French have turned it into an art form. I mean, there's just, you got this creep in Iran who thinks he's going to destroy Israel and if you listen to him, you see, the Quran teaches that there is a great prophet coming. I can't remember the actual term that they use. But they believe that actually Jesus is going to come back. It is like the last Imam or something like that. And um, he believes that the reason the last Imam will not come is because of Israel. So if he can annihilate the Jewish threat, the last is the last Imam will come and usher the world into the perfect state. Now That's not far from what the Scripture says, except for one thing. When Jesus comes back, he doesn't need any idiot in Iran to help him out. Amen? He'll be able to take care of it all himself. My God's big enough. He can fight for himself. He doesn't need us to help him out. Aren't you glad about that? But these people really believe this stuff. The Bible says... To him that overcometh, we are going to sit down with Jesus Christ on his throne. Now, you read Revelation 4 and 5, where does Jesus appear? In the midst of the throne. But God's sitting on the throne as Jesus appears in the midst of the throne. That's what he means when, in the scripture when he says, We'll be one with Jesus Christ. It's going to be an amazing thing. We're actually going to get to help Jesus rule the world. We'll be in charge of all of these things. And these crazies, they're going to be gone. That's what the Battle of Armageddon is all about. Jesus is going to wipe them all out. It's going to start over brand new. There are going to be some people that survive the tribulation period. And they will live on this earth for a thousand years. You talk about uh, population explosion. Could you imagine what peace for a thousand years would do to the population of the earth? The United Nations started in the 60s talking about overpopulating the earth. Hey, Let me tell you something. You can still take every person living on the planet and assemble them inside the city limits of Jacksonville, Florida. There would be enough room for all six and a half billion people on the face of this earth to stand in an area equivalent to Jacksonville, Florida. Don't tell me the world is overpopulated. What we have is despotic governments and people keeping others and lazy people and ignorant people not willing or not capable of raising food to sustain themselves. It's not a problem of of uh, ecology or anything like that. The Bible tells us we're going to sit with him on his throne. But in order to do that we must overcome other words that we might use for lukewarm, apathy, lethargy. You try to get a group of people understanding what's really going on today. And, and people don't want to understand. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to deal with the issues. I keep getting asked, what do you think about the war with Israel? That's going on right now. Well, to be honest with you, I'm I'm liking it. They're getting something done. There's a whole lot of less. There's a whole lot less Hezbollah today than there was three weeks ago. And there's going to be less Hezbollah tomorrow than there is today. That's a good thing. And we grieve for each soldier and each uh, civilian that's killed. And listen, we're, we're not even playing favorites. I mean, these, these people on Hezbollah, I'm glad that they're not uh, going to be able to uh, kill anybody else and inflict terrorism on any other, other person. But when you stop and really realize what happens to an Islamic terrorist who dies in his cause, he does not go to heaven. And that grieves our hearts. But I'll tell you, we need to understand Jesus is waiting for us to fellowship with Him and commune with Him every time we have a service. That's how we overcome the world, is by serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Part of that is holding our services, amen? While I'm away, the attendance is going to be down. You know why? Because the Montoro family has a very serious effect on attendance. But that's no excuse for you not to be here. Amen? Be faithful. Every man that's preaching is going to do a job that God has for for you. You miss one service. You're going to miss the one the Lord has for you. I've found that. Boy, you miss something. It's You've missed it. You can't go back and get it. The bio, These are the letters to the churches. There are many warnings that we must take. And we want to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. The physical blessings. We praise God for all the great things that He's done for our church. But that's not proof that we're spiritual. We need to be doing what God wants us to do today. And all God's people said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you once again and we ask that you would make us ever vigilant to this idea of becoming lukewarm. That we would deal in your word and in your truth. And Lord, that you would keep us from ever having to worry about this thing at at this church. Give us grace. Give us carefulness. Give us zealousness, is the word, the Bible uses, that we would never allow these things to happen here. We ask you to work in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, just open the altar if you'd like to come and pray. Take a few moments. And then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.